You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at my home on unceded Wurundjeri lands for 3CR in Nam, Melbourne. I pay my respects to Elders past and present and welcome all First Nations people listening today. This show is brought to you with the support of the ACE Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth. My name is AC, and on today's show we're privileged to have Anangu Spinifex woman Debbie Carmody sharing the story of her people's displacement after the nuclear weapons testing at Maralinga in South Australia. Debbie is a traditional owner of Mulgarock, east of Kalgoorlie, which is currently under threat from a uranium mine proposed by mining company Vimy Resources. This recording is one of two taken from the Yellow Cake Country webinar, Maralinga to Mulga Rock, hosted by K.A. Garlic and recorded in November 2020. The second part of the story will be broadcast on our next rad show. Um, firstly, I'd like to acknowledge that where I'm hosting from is on Wongatha country and in Kalgoorlie here, and I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty over this land was never, never ceded. My name's K.A. Garlic. Um, for those that don't know um, me and I'm hosting as the Nuclear Free Campaigner from the Conservation Council of Western Australia. This is our fifth and final um, Yellow, Cake, Yellow Cake Country webinar um, and it's with great pleasure that this one I'm able to host here in Kalgoorlie and also with Anangul Spinifex and Western Nullarbor woman Debbie Carmody here at the Jumapulka Aboriginal Radio Station. Yes, hello. Um, my First Nations name is Nindiri and my English name, of course, is Debbie. I am um, Anangul and Spinifex um, and Western Nullarbor traditional owner. Um, I'm also a traditional owner of um, Bilgi, which sits just below Dunjunjara and goes to the um, Trans-Australian railway line. And both my families, all my families have suffered from nuclear fallout from the atomic tests that were held at Maralinga, land that sits within um, our overall you know, traditional homelands. And it was in the 1950s at the height of the Cold War that the British government began to explode a series of atomic tests in the empty Australian desert containing nothing but a few spinifex bushes, red dirt and the howl of dingoes. A number of minor trials, assessment tests and experimental programs were held at the range until 1963. Atomic bombs that were exploded in a forgotten land far away from Western civilization. This land, as we know, was not terra nullius, but home to another civilization, one who had lived in the desert for over 65,000 years. And, um, you know, 
I don't know, people may not know who the Alangal, Spinifex, Bilky and Western Nullarbor people are, um, where our lands are. So our lands basically sit um, above the Great Australian Bight. We are desert people. Uh, Spinifex people live at Tuntuntada in the Great Victorian Desert. Alangal people at Oak Valley and our Pilgi lands, as I said before, sit just under Tuntuntada. And, of course, um, our Western Nullarbor people, which includes Karoni, Kunana, Kundalini, which is just east of Kalgoorlie. Um, and then from Kundalini, we would travel north to the area surrounding Mulga Rocks and the beautiful sand dunes nearby, which is women's country, where my father, as a child, would travel with his mother and other women to this special site of significance because... The sands there are healing sands. It's also part of the Seven Sisters story. It is a sacred place and we use the sands there to massage and heal, especially after childbirth. My dad remembers playing in the sand dunes and walking nearby where there was a forest of grass trees and it was quite spectacular, um, those grass trees. Um, so my people lived their separate existence in sand plains. Those sand plains contain the essential fabric of life, our food and water, our tools and shelter, our family and friends and everywhere, our law. Our country is dune country and in some areas is covered by a rich and strikingly beautiful mosaic of mallee, uh, mile oak, cypress and mulga vegetation. For thousands of years, we travelled all through our land for social, cultural, political and religious reasons. We had significant places such as Uldea, which was a major travel route. And um, many different people would uh, come and gather there. And each group had their specific section of land where they would camp. And there was a big meeting ground near the water, which is now gone now because um, the railways... Um, took that water, and but we would gather there and socialise and exchange news about each other and also to sing and dance, but our way of life was soon to be disrupted. It was 1908 when survey teams commenced work on the route of the new Trans-Australian uh, Continental Railway Line. The aim was to link the east coast to the west coast of Australia by rail, and um, one day a group of Spinifex men were travelling when they came across that railway line and they had never seen steel tracks before and they asked themselves, what is this? They were amazed. The steel train tracks ran from east to west and they began to debate which way um, to follow to track the tracks and then suddenly a steam train appeared and the Spinifex people were scared because they had never seen white man's industrial creations before and they ran and hid behind a sand dune, peering over the top of the sand dune and they couldn't believe their eyes. This monster, with steam puffing from its nostrils, had eaten people and they could see the people inside this monster's stomach and the monster had turned them white. And so began my people's contact 
with the white man. And we learned about white money. We used to trade and, and, and barter and that. That was Debbie Carmody, an Angus Spinifex woman, speaking there about her people's first contact with white people on the railways. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, produced for 3CR at my home in Nam, Melbourne. It's subscribe week for 3CR, so if you like what you hear on The Radioactive Show, support us to stay on the air by subscribing at www.3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Now, back to Debbie Carmody as she continues her story describing the Anangu Spinifex first contact with white people before nuclear bombs devastated their communities and forced them off their homelands. So Uldea had plenty of water there and it became an important watering hole, um, a watering point for the steam engines and, and yes, brought my people into close contact with the railway workers and white travellers who had little conscious conscience and no understanding of animal spin effects and Western Nullarbor people. But the different groups of people were curious about each other. The white people would hang out of the train windows and look at the black people and the black people would, you know, stand on the side of the train tracks and look at um, the white people and it was really a question of who was looking at who. Um, My people learned to sell artefacts to the white people and it was a new way of trading for us and um, there were many Italians that had worked along the railway line and so new relationships were formed and children were born um, with the Italians and um, my people grew up speaking, you know, their own languages and, and Italian and the white train travellers were amazed that these black people were speaking Italian, you know, with no English. My people's satisfaction with life then came to an abrupt end a big community meeting was held at Uldea and my Dhamal, my grandfather, um, he was the English interpreter and he told people they had to leave Uldea and the people were very sad. They were crying and mournful. They, um, you know, when we're very, very sad, uh, we wail and the wails um, filled the air and people asked each other, where do we go? This is our land. This is our home. We have lived here for thousands of years and um, we have no other home but now we've been forced off and at that time the government gave them no um, explanation as to why and so my people became refugees and of course we had no cars we had to uh, walk which is what we had been doing for thousands of years anyway but with sad hearts my people walked away from Uldea. My Dhamal grandfather was given a um, horse and cart because of the work he did um, interpreting and he travelled east, but along the way the wheel broke and his family and um, him, they just had to, you know, walk then. And the Jamison family, they walked to Uldea train station and waited until dark for a train because um, people weren't allowed to get onto the trains but the Jamison family sneaked onto a slow-moving train which was travelling west to Kalgoorlie. They had, the, um, they and other family members travelled west towards Kalgoorlie because 
the Western Nullarbor was our homelands. So in those days when we travelled, we travelled with fire sticks and the Jamison family jumped onto a wooden empty, um, an empty wooden uh, carriage and they sat in the wooden carriage holding their fire sticks but soon went off to sleep as the train picked up speed travelling through the desert night. The fire sticks dropped to the wooden carriage floor and, of course, a fire started and the whole carriage was on fire as the train hurtled into the night. No one heard the screams of the men, women and children as the fire engulfed them. Some people jumped into the speeding um, or jumped from the speeding train into the dark desert night, never to be seen again, while others um, were burnt to death. But a couple of people survived and today we tell their story. My people did not understand why this was happening to them. The white man's world was a cruel world, a world that showed no humanity. Later, my people found out that the reason why they had to move from Uldea, it was because of that bomb. Yes, the government, along with the British government, was putting plans into action to begin atomic testing at Maralinga, from which... Um, my, at a later date, my, grand, my grandmother, my Garbali, and um, her younger son um, died from radioactive fallout. And so our secluded world, you know, sequestered in the spinifex and sand where food is camouflaged in arid gardens, raw materials nowhere apparent, and the sacred realm is a sacred, is a secret face um, is a secret place and where, where the winds, um, you know, change, like the ripples on the sand. And so while the desert winds would recreate, would recreate the soft desert sands, forming new landscapes, little did we know of the change on the horizon that was about to occur, signs of white settlement that we actually saw with eyes of astonishment and fear. That was Debbie Carmody, an Angu Spinifex woman, speaking about the sudden change that would hit her people in the 1950s with the imposition of white settlement and nuclear weapons tests. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, produced for 3CR at my home in Nam, Melbourne, on Wurundjeri country, and broadcast across these stolen lands known as Australia through the Community Radio Network. Debbie Carmody continues her story, describing the nuclear bombing of the Anangu Spinifex homeland that led to the displacement of her people. It was 1952, and while people um, around the world protested the, um, you know, the ban, the bomb, my traditional homelands was being bombed as the British and Australian governments tested atomic bombs. The... Um, Spinifex, Alamal, Bilkey and Western Nullarbor people, we saw strange things and suffered from radiation poisoning and, um, we, you know, we died within our homelands. And Auntie told me that the smoke was a long way away. It was going straight up. Everyone was coughing, vomiting and blood was coming out of people's noses and mouths and whole families died. They were all very sick. No one could walk. Everyone was just crawling around on the ground and all we knew was that the wind had brought in this terrible sickness. 
Um, crows fell out of the sky. They just dropped. Um, once they found some rabbits and they were already cooked and blackened and we ate them, she said. And she said we didn't know that they were full of radiation poisoning. I should have had an older sister, but she died of the sickness. Other kids died and some people, when they ate the meat and when they drank water, they died. And archival reports provide evidence that the Australian government knew that there were people in the area when the atomic tests took place. Um, Bob Stewart, an American missionary, he came out to Australia and set up Kundalini Mission in the 1950s. Kundalini Mission is just east of Kalgoorlie in Western Australia on the edge of the Great Victorian Desert. Bob Stewart said he had a vision to save Aborigines of the Western Desert so I could educate and Christianise them. The Australian government officially asked Mr Stewart to stop luring people in from the bush because their customary way of life should not be, dis um, should not be disturbed. And the government's refusal to remove people from the lands contaminated by nuclear fallout reflected the argument amongst white Australians at the time that uh, First Nations people living in the bush would disappear or die out because of the progressive onslaught of white superiority in physical, cultural, intellectual and Western religious ideologies. But Mr Stewart, he continued with what he called rescue missions when he uh, went out into the desert and brought people into Kundalini Mission. But by the close of the 1950s, the... Uh, British government called on the Australian government to remove and institutionalise um, Spinifex and Western Nullarbor people. And, and, of course, there were some animal people there as well, um, though most of them had gone to the South Australian side. And um, so the Australian government then um, encouraged Bob uh, Stewart, the missionary man, to rescue my people. My Dummel grandfather and my uncle Brooksy and a group of other Spinifex people said when Bob Stewart pulled up to say hello, we greeted him with a dance. We were naked, dancing like we saw them white girls dancing naked in the city. The missionary man gave us clothes to wear and auntie said clothing was all wrong, wrong way, upside down, inside out. We never wore clothes before. We didn't know what to do with them. Uncle Brooksy, he was walking around with a frock on. The missionary man said, I will come back and get you. Here is some food. He gave them food in a tin. My family had never seen tin food before. They thought it was a type of egg and they tried to crack it open, but it wouldn't open. So they thought, well, maybe it needs to be killed first. And they took turns uh, spearing the tin meat, but still it would not open. So, you know, my family, when they tell these stories, it's always told in a humorous way and um, it's, it's very, very funny. Even this next little story um, when the missionary man came and got them and it was the first time they'd been for a ride in a car and the car took off and they were um, really, really scared to be moving so fast across the ground one uncle tried to jump off the car 
but they had to hold on to him so he wouldn't jump. And one another auntie was just crying in fear. And the other thing is that they were just all vomiting and with motion sickness. It was just a terrible, terrible journey, they said. But when they arrived at Kundalini Mission, it was even more terrible. Tin shanties, there was no water. By the late 1960s, um, Kundalini Mission was seen by the Australian government as an important contact point for the Spinifex and Western Nullarbor people and saw the settlement as an appropriate centre in which primitive natives could be trained and assimilated into white culture as servants. But there were many problems, such as its isolated position and a serious shortage of water. For my Spinifex family, this was a strange foreign land and... um, It was a restricted lifestyle, full of poverty, lack of water, and they noticed that people's personalities began to change. There were arguments and fighting. It was a bad place and no one was happy. So we inherited a social disaster. While we understood the reason some of us were removed from our homelands, It is difficult to understand why the government deserted us once we were removed and the evangelical experience of Kundalini Mission left my people little to be thankful for. Exposure to the spirit of Christ left us little but the spirit of the hop and the grape for consolation. The Australian Evangelical Mission finally accepted defeat. The process of assimilation did not serve my people well. And so the legacy of the church was left behind. But what a legacy for my people, rescued from the bush and delivered to a concentrated, poorly equipped, underfunded, badly watered and poorly located settlement on the fringes of Western society. We were displaced from our homelands, refugees, because of atomic bomb testing and thousands of our people were laying dead on contaminated desert sands. An uncle told me that an old man went back into the desert to look for people and he said they were literally laying there like dead ants. When he came back to Kundalini, he died an agonising death one week later. And people were developing strange diseases and all their records were kept at the health clinic there at Kundalini but sadly a fire um, burnt the health clinic down and all those records were lost. That was Debbie Carmody, an Uncle Spinifex woman, sharing the incredible story of devastation and survival that her people endured as a result of nuclear bombs dropped on their homelands in the 1950s. The story continues next week on The Radioactive Show. Deep appreciation and thanks to Debbie for sharing this powerful story and her courage and determination to speak the truth about this history of pain and death caused by nuclear testing on Anangu Spinifex lands. That's it for today. This show was produced at my home in Nam, Melbourne, and distributed across these stolen lands known as Australia on the Community Radio Network. You'll find the Radioactive Show podcasts online at 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive and you can get in touch by calling the 3CR office on 03 9419 8377.
We'll go out on a song by Junjunjara's most famous rockers, the Desert Stars, singing about the nuclear bombing of Maralinga on this track called Running. You can hear more of the Desert Stars music at desertstars1.bandcamp.com. That's desertstars and the number onebandcampcom Thanks for listening and here's to a nuclear-free future.
So this is in the middle of the pandemic where this billionaire is suing the Pentagon for a military contract for what most people think is the place that you order books from. It's a very interesting case study in pulling out the different threads of militarism and how it can really be embedded in so many aspects of our lives that we don't even realize that when we order something from Amazon that we're putting workers' lives at risk and that we're supporting what is becoming an increasingly important actor in the military-industrial complex. Exposing that to people, I think, is very important. People will care if they understand that this is how things are all interconnected and linked. It's surfacing that information, it's making that accessible and making it relevant for people's lives. And I think that is another opportunity that COVID-19 really presents to us is that we are all connected and these structures are all connected. We can see that much more clearly now than we could before. We need to keep radical voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.